0: beautiful people. How are you guys? Are you good? So I'm just going to juggle here. Give me a few seconds. I want to preach with my teacup because my hands are so cold. Okay. Um, and then, so what actually happened was um, Matts needed to take today off. Um, JJ, can you thingy this, please? Just like that, angle it. Thank you. Uh, Matt needed to take t- today off for personal reasons. And so he called Ross, I think, on Friday. And um, then Ross was already preaching. In Ross is preaching in Amshloti today because we've got a new olive tree site in Amshloti, which we launched three Sundays ago. And then, woohoo, that's right. Amazing. And um, so then Ross messaged me quickly. And he said, please preach Sunday. So you know when you're married to someone, but you don't actually get a chance to talk to them. Like you live with them, you sleep in the same bed, but you actually don't get a chance to have a conversation. So that's a little bit of what our life is like. So he messaged me, he said, will you preach Sunday? I didn't reply. When I don't reply, it means I'm too busy or I don't want to do something. (laughs) So I didn't reply. And then like 20 minutes later, he messaged me again. Please preach Sunday. I was like, okay. So then I said to him, he said, what are you preaching on, question mark? Because Ross also, he's not grammatically correct. So it's bad, his texting. Preaching on, question mark. So I responded. So the Holy Spirit has legitimately been talking to me lately about long-suffering. So I responded and I said, long-suffering. So he replied, marriage, question mark? So I said, yes, to you. Exclamation, exclamation. So... I am not preaching on long-suffering today. We'll leave that for another day. Um, But yes, long-suffering, married to my husband. So um, like most of you in this room, my nine-to-five is not within the building, the four walls of the church. My nine-to-five is outside of the church. I am an OT. Ten years ago, I started a center for children with severe disabilities. Um, And so we have one center in Durban North, and then we just launched a second center in East London about a month ago. And so that is, that's my nine to five. So when my husband asks me to preach, it's not because I'm on payroll, it's because he's desperate, okay? (laughs) Um, And then Matt also, I just wanted to um, just share a little heartfelt message with you guys. So Ross and I have known Matt for about 22 years. Um, Ross married Matt and Christy. We have known and loved the Knights, yeah, for going on 20 years. And um, they are very close to our hearts. I think Matt is probably the one person in the world that I would say is like a brother, but not by blood. Um, So we trust him and love him implicitly. And so I'm very jealous that you guys get to see Matt often because we don't get to see him often. Um, But they just have a few personal things that have cropped up. Um, Can I ask you guys, will you just join me in prayer? Can we just pray for Matt and Christy and for Milo? Is that good? you guys mind? Let's just declare some words of faith and life and love over them, okay? Jesus, we want to thank you for the Knights. We thank you for the plans and the purposes that you have for them. We thank you for Milo. God, we just declare a ring of fire around the Knight family. We thank you that your glory dwells within them. Would you pour out yourself, Holy Spirit, on them? Right now, would they know your comfort, your overwhelming love? would they know your nearness and your tenderness and your great provision for them, Jesus. And just declare health and healing over them in every way, Jesus. God, would you minister to them as they minister to others, please, Jesus. We pray this and we bless them in your holy name, Jesus. And the whole church said, amen. Amen, amazing. Okay, so I also, because this is... um, Late notice, although this is becoming a little bit of a habit because this exact same thing happened last Sunday. So last Sunday, also preaching problem. So Ross messaged me in the week, same kind of thing. And so last Sunday, Ross was preaching on Florida Road and I was preaching in Amshloty, but I took the three children to Amshloty. So I said to him this morning, I was like, I will preach again, but my T's and C's are the children are not coming with me. (laughs) So it feels like I'm on holiday um, I also have a little bit of a um, omission or a apology to make. I'm so sorry. I stole this out of kids' church this morning because I'm preaching off my Kindle, which I haven't done, and so I'm worried that it's gonna, I don't know, not work. And so that is my message. So let's hope the Kindle works. Otherwise, it's a very short message because that's all. That's on the paper. So will you guys just be kind and gracious? and um, long-suffering whilst I get the Kindle to do what it should. Okay, we're almost there. Okay. Um, so actually, before I start out preaching this morning, I have got a short video. Um, there is a great, if you don't know this already, there is a great website called The Bible Project, and their mission is to put together four, five, six-minute videos in a slight cartoon animated style that make the Bible really easy to understand and explain the context and the importance of each of the books of the Bible. They kind of do a five-minute summary in an animated version, so because I'm going to start with Haggai this morning, and Haggai is not one of the most well-known books in the Bible, I thought we would just do a little five-minute summary from the Bible project. Is that good? Okay, five minutes, I'll be back. So, so good. We could preach for days on Haggai. Um, Okay, will you guys stand with me? I don't know if you ever do this, but we're going to stand and read the word. Okay, Haggai 1. It's quite a few lines. Okay, I'm going to read, you can mime it. You can read it in your heart, whichever you prefer. Um, I just want to say just a heads up, I'm sure just as a reminder that, that most of you do know this, that In the Old Testament, when they were speaking about the temple, they were speaking about physically rebuilding with brick and mortar, a building where the presence of God dwelt. In the New Testament, since Jesus' resurrection and ascension, we have the unbelievable privilege and honor of being the temple. So now the spirit of Jesus dwells within us. So just when we're reading about the temple, and when I'm referring to it later, just remember that we're now living in the New Testament space. Um, and so what we're talking about rebuilding the temple is actually us and the places and people around us where the Spirit of Jesus wants to live. Okay, Haggai 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jezadik, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say... The time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little, What you brought home I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil and everything else the ground produces on people and livestock and all the labor of your... Hands, yes. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtel, Joshua, son of Jezadok, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message uh, of the Lord to the people I am with you, declares the Lord. So the spirit stirred up. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jezadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. And everybody said, Amen. You can take your seats. So, early there in that portion of Scripture in Haggai 1, I think it's Haggai 6 and Haggai 9, if I'm not mistaken, it says twice, the temple of the Lord remained in ruin. The temple of the Lord remained in ruin. Do you guys know what ruin in the dictionary means? The noun is, if something is in ruin, it describes the physical destruction or disintegration of something or something that is in the state of being destroyed. Similar words for ruin are decay, disrepair, dilapidation, falling to pieces, destruction, damage, demolition, or wreckage. The verb is, of ruin, to reduce, specifically a building or a place, which we can interpret as being the building or the place, is us, to a state of decay, collapse, or disintegration. So it's gonna get better, I promise. Um, About a month ago in the April holidays, the Roger family of five did a road trip, so Ross, my hubby, um, loves to surf and kite surf and all the water sports, and so we took a road trip down from Derbs, we drove down to Cape St. Francis and we spent a week there, and then Ross flew back to Preach because it was over the April holidays, and I drove with the kids from Cape St. Francis the rest of the way to Cape Town, and then after the after Easter weekend, Ross came and joined us in Cape Town. And we spent another few days in Hermanus, and then we did the road trip back up and a few little stops. And we had the most wonderful time. Whilst we were in Cape Town, um, Ross and I ditched the kids for an hour, and we stole away for a quick breakfast in Hermanus, which was wonderful. Um, But I put a bit of a dampener on our one-hour date together because um, I have increasingly so just been feeling the weight of the state of the nation, for want of a better word, I've been feeling really desperately heartbroken for what is going on in our country um, and more specifically in our city. And so pretty much the start of our breakfast was me crying and snot and trana and I'm so sad and I just want Durban to be different and I want the country to be different but it's in a state of ruin and I don't know if I can stay here and this is so hard. And what does the future look like? Anyway, so that was our one-hour date together that we had in two weeks. (laughs) But it is into this space that Jesus speaks. Will you guys follow with me in Matthew 5, specifically verse 13? Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness, and you'll end up in the garbage. Now, I have read this portion of Scripture so many times. In the NLT, that was the message version. In the NLT, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste. How can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but it is thrown out and trampled underfoot. Read this so many times, and I thought I knew what it was speaking about. And I'm sure many of you in this room actually do know what it's speaking about. So I might be um, referring to something that you guys already know. But the value of salt is actually what it's used for. Back in Jesus' day, salt, they actually used salt to pay salaries and wages. So the word salary actually comes from the Greek word salar, Um, which actually is part of the word of salt. The reason why people were paid with salt was because it was such an important commodity. People couldn't live in Jesus' day without salt. Now, there are three main purposes of salt that are still common and are still values and properties of salt today, but these were even more important um, purposes and functions of salt back when Jesus was walking on the earth. Okay, so the the first value of salt is that it was used as a preservative. So this might be helpful for you guys after the 25th of May, when we have um, some increased hours of load shedding. But the primary purpose of salt in Jesus' day was a preservative. So everything that you owned had to be rubbed with salt to prevent it from going off. Meat fish, fruit, olives. If you didn't have salt, you wouldn't be able to preserve what you needed to sustain and to live. So it was first and foremost a preservative. And the way that you knew if salt was a good salt was if you tasted it and it was very salty. Okay, we'll get more into that just now. The second most important function and purpose of salt is that it was used... To bring healing to wounds. So there wasn't all the medical um, institutions that we have today all the hospitals and doctors and various antibiotics. But if someone had a wound, you would take salt that was very salty and you would rub it in a wound to prevent decay from spreading through your body. The third, third function of salt, and this is the one that I thought always thought the scripture was predominantly speaking about is that it's used to add flavor to food. So when you actually add salt to food, what salt does in its chemical compounds is it reduces bitterness. So when you actually add salt to food, although you taste saltiness, you're reducing bitterness and you're actually improving the sweetness, which is why things like salted caramel go so well together. Caramel on its own has actually got a bit of bitterness, but when you... Add the salt you reduce the bitterness and increase the sweetness. So now I know that you guys are catching on to this. Originally women would um, walk into the market and they wouldn't walk up to a cellar to buy a packet of salt in a one kg. It wasn't like some potassium sodium mix of little white granules The way that women used to buy salt in the marketplace was that they would walk to the various people selling and there would be rocks of salt, big pink rocks, probably about the size of the chair. And they would lick their finger, rub it on the salt, and taste it to see if it was salty enough. Because sometimes they could walk up to a rock of salt and it could look the right color It could look the right size. It could have been from the right place because there was a specific place that good salt came from. There is a specific place that good salt, in terms of Christians, comes from. But sometimes it can look like salt. I can look like salt, but I don't taste like salt. So the woman had to taste the salt to see if it was salty enough because if they took home salt that wasn't salty it wouldn't do what it was meant to do, which was preserve, heal wounds, and reduce bitterness. Friends, God is calling us to be preservatives, to conserve, and to protect our society. God is calling us to heal wounds, and God is calling us to reduce the bitterness in our society. That is what it is to be salty. When God says here, you're the salt of the earth, he's saying you're the salt of the earth. If things are decaying around you, if they are rotting, it's because I'm not salty enough. If things are getting really bad, if there's destruction and ruin, you can put up those two pictures, thank you. If things around you are looking gray and desolate, if you can't see the color in your life, if you can't see the color around you because it's getting dark, you are the salt of the earth. Sometimes I think as Christians, we forget, I forget. Jesus saved me. He is my savior. And then he said to me, I am the light of the world. I am the salt of the earth. How did I come to know Jesus? I came to know Jesus because someone introduced me to him. Some people will have a direct experience with Jesus, with the Spirit of God. Not many people, though. Most people will come to know Jesus and will experience him because of other people. God is so gracious. He says to us he wants us to co-labor with him. So he actually doesn't fix the earth unless he's fixing it through us. Can anyone else here today see that stuff around us in our country and in our city is looking a little gray? Okay, so so Jesus, his plan is to fix it, to make it sweeter, to reduce the bitterness of what is going on in our society, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools. His plan is to fix it through us, for us to preserve society for us to bring healing to the wounds. Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16, says this. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. And the Passion Translation, verse 14, says this. Your lives light up the world. Do you know how many times I've read that scripture and thought to myself, Yes, yes, he's speaking about me. But whenever I interact or whenever I think about what is going on in society, I think Jesus must fix it. He must send someone to fix it. Do you know who he sent? (laughs) Me. If you're here in this room today and you know Jesus, you are the light of the world. I hope I don't get in trouble. I hope you invite me back. (laughs) Jesus is the light of your world. You are the light of the world for people who don't know Christ. Jesus is your salt. You are the salt of the world to preserve it, to conserve it, to protect it, to reinstate it, to make sure it doesn't ruin and go off. That's you and me. Um, two weeks or about 10 days ago, I was um, in Cape Town for a week. I left Ross and the kids. And I was in training sessions, kind of like an incubation program for the center that I run, this accelerator program. It was amazing. But we were in sessions from 7 in the morning till half past 10 at night. And so I'm not a runner. I hate running. I'd rather stub my toe. Okay. It's very, I find running very painful. But because we were in sessions all day, um, we were doing a lot of sitting, very minimal movement. I was like, the only way I'm going to get any movement is if I get up, we're in Franchuk. I get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and it's very dark in Cape Town at the moment, they have a lot less power than us, but it's very dark at 6 o'clock in the morning. And in Franschuk, I'm kind of in the valley, but you've got the mountains around you. And so I forced myself to get up, go for a little jog around the mountains, pitch black. And usually by the time I came back in, the sun was starting to come up, okay? But what I noticed was that when I was running... I could see the little communities and the cities on the hill because of the light. It was pitch black around, but I could see the light. Now, if those cities had been in a valley, or there were some, as there are, there are towns and communities and cities and valleys. You can't actually see them that well because they're hidden. They're in the shadows. But communities and and um cities or towns that are on hills, you can see them quite easily because they're up high. And what what they do is they give off light, and so you know where to go to, you know where to run to. So this scripture here in Matthew 14, it says, here's another way to put it, you're to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world, your lives light up the world, We're going public with this. It's not a secret to be kept as public as a city on a hill. When you become the light of the world, Christ has given you his light so that you are now the light of the world. When you put yourself on a hill, you give direction to other people so they know where to come to to get the help they need. Sometimes we can read these scriptures and we don't actually think them through. Jesus wants you and me and this community, this building, this olive tree church, he wants us to be a city on a hill so that when, com- when community is decaying, when there is rot, when things are not looking like they should be, that people can come to us because they can see our light and we can give them direction. That's what it is to be a city on a hill. I'm going to jump back to Haggai. So the, the temple was in decay. It was in a state of ruin. There's three things that Jesus says, and now I want you to keep everything we've just spoken about kind of as a backdrop to what Jesus says we should do to rebuild something, the temple that is in ruin. The first thing he says in, verse, in 1 verses 5 and 7 is he says, give careful thought to your ways. Friends, give careful thought to your ways. If things around you are in ruin or in decay, I know things around me are in ruin and decay. Jesus' instruction to me is to give careful thought to my ways. What am I doing? In the Amplified Version, it says, take a good, hard look at your life. The Message Version says, think it over. Think over your life. If things are in ruin around us, what are we going to do? The second thing he says to us, if we're serious about fixing the ruin around us. He says, I am with you in verse 13. So take a good hard look at your life. What is in ruin around you? And then the thing that he says is I am with you. Because he's speaking to people who know him. And in this room, I think a lot of people know him. So know that he is with you. If you see things in ruin, don't run away. The third thing that he says to us if we're serious about fixing the state of the temple and the ruin around us is he says the Lord stirred up the spirit in verse 14 Take a good hard look at your life think over what are you doing to be salt to be light remember that he is with you and the third thing the Lord stirred up the spirit The Lord will stir up his spirit within you, and his spirit is what empowers us to rebuild, to preserve, to heal, and to bring sweetness back to our society. Can I ask you guys to stand with me? I just thought we would spend a little bit, I'd love to pray for you, if that's okay. Yeah. So whatever you like to do when you pray. (laughs) Jesus, I just want to thank you for this church. I thank you for every person here. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for the days on this earth that they have lived. I thank you for the gifts that you have given them. I thank you for the things that you have put inside of them. Jesus, I thank you for the men and the women and the children and children in this building who know you. And I want to thank you for the people who have come today who don't yet know you, God. Holy Spirit, would you impress upon our hearts, please, that you have called us to rebuild the ruin. Holy Spirit, would you give us great boldness not to run away? Holy Spirit, would you impress upon us that we are the salt. We're here to preserve society. We're here to restore. We're here to prevent decay. And so if we see it, God, we're not actually doing what we're supposed to be doing. Jesus, will you help us? God, will you help us now bring things to our mind? where our ways are not your ways. God, would you remind us that you are with us in the darkness? God, would you give us um, supernatural solutions, not just to spiritual problems, but to problems that we see every day around us? Would you give us supernatural solutions, God? Remind us that you are with us And then would you stir up your spirit so deeply within us, Jesus? Stir it up. Let the fullness of your power fall upon us. Give us dreams and visions. Give us hope, God. Just as that video of Haggai finished, the great challenge that you leave us with, God, is for us to know that you co-labor through us. God, and that if this world, if our country is looking for a way to get fixed, that it's actually through the believers, God. God, would you position us so that we would be a city on a hill and help us to position ourselves to be a city on a hill? God, and just for people here in their workplaces, God, would you remind them that they are salt in those workplaces? Would you remind, if there's children in this building, that when they go to school, they are the salt in their schools to preserve society? Come, God, and work in us. Work through us, please, Jesus. We want to partner with you, God. We want to preserve this place that you have called us to. We love you, Jesus. We bless you, God. Thank you that you are with us. And everybody in the building together said, amen. Amen. Thank you, Olive Tree. It has been wonderful to be with you guys. Have a great Sunday and hopefully I'll see you all soon.